Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So the Bucs will be without Vernon Hargraves for two to three weeks. So what does that mean for their rookie defensive backs who played really well against Miami? And is it time to worry about the kicking game again? Or is Chandler Catanzaro really the answer? Meanwhile, the Rays had a good weekend, but it could have been better as they take two out of three over the Blue Jays before losing 2-1 to one Sunday. Tyler Glass now looks great again. The best TV of the weekend? Well, that would be Brooks Kepka going on to beat Tiger Woods in the PGA Championship to win his third major tournament. He is now, folks, a Hall of Fame golfer. That's all it took. That and so much more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started... I want to tell you about a special offer from our friends at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's football season, so you know you're going to be tied up some weekends coming up. Well, here's the perfect opportunity to show that special someone that you love her right now. I got a fantastic offer and some exciting news from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's going to make your jewelry selection experience unforgettable. Here's what you do. It's good only for our listeners to this podcast. Continental Wholesale Diamonds is sending you and that special person to the Caribbean. That's right. For a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise on us with just a minimum purchase of $2,000. You can also choose the cruise line and the destination in the Caribbean if you want to explore. And get this, with Andy offering you wholesale pricing and the quality that you deserve on your jewelry selection, you know you're receiving the very best when purchasing from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So listen, how can you beat this offer, right? Five-day, four-night cruise for two to the Caribbean. And all you have to do is make a minimum purchase of $2,000. Go see our friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. You can call him if you prefer at 813-282-7375. And make sure you let him know that this is from Rick and Steve at Sports Day Tampa Bay. Continental Wholesale Diamonds is where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. So, Steve, we finished our first uh, NFL, I guess, preseason football weekend, if you don't count the Hall of Fame game a week ago. And the Bucks, of course, had a pretty good showing, I thought, in Miami. We talked a little bit about that uh, after the game, I guess, on uh, Thursday night, if you listen to Friday's podcast. And we got a chance to talk to Dirk Cutter a little bit more about it on Friday and then over the weekend. The Bucks were off on Sunday. They'll be back in practice this morning, and then they practice again on Tuesday before heading up to Tennessee. They're going to uh, have joint practices with the Tennessee Titans on Wednesday and Thursday, walk through Friday, and play Saturday night in Nashville for Game 2. Before we get into it, I mentioned uh, we'll talk about Vernon Hargraves and give you his update on his injury and what that means for some of the rookie cornerbacks. Um, But, uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty good showing overall, uh, especially from the quarterbacks, you know. We've talked about how it's going to be you know, a little difficult this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston both trying to prepare them to start because you don't want to play them behind uh, you know, your second or sometimes third team offensive lineman. But in this past week, in the first game, they had so many injuries on the offensive line, particularly on the right side, 
that it was inevitable that uh, that there was going to have to be some guys mixed in there. And somehow they held up, and all three quarterbacks played very, very well, I thought. Of course, Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston took their teams down to score touchdowns the first time they had the ball. And then, you know, at the end of the game, Ryan Griffin, who was 20 of 26, uh, when the Bucks gave up the lead late and a two-point conversion, was able to engineer uh, a two-minute drive and set up a field goal 26 yards by uh, Chandler Catanzaro, who did not have the best of days, and we'll talk about that in a moment as well. And I, I was just thinking, uh, Stephen, I wrote a column about this over the weekend that, uh, you know, this is not obviously the situation the Bucks would ever want to find themselves in with their starting quarterback suspended, you know, three games, um, the first three games for, you know, player misconduct or what have you. But if you just looked at the quarterback position itself uh, as it's constituted right now, You've got Fitzpatrick, who has started like 119 games in his career uh, and is you know a fairly accomplished passer. Now, he's 35. He's definitely on the very, very back end. Uh, you know, his arm strength is certainly not what, it, what you would want it to be or what it has been, uh, but I think he makes up for a lot of that with anticipation and understanding the offense, and he's gotten much better in this offense, uh, especially getting the reps with the first unit that he would typically not get and did not get last year before he played uh, very much. And then, you know, of course, there's Winston, which, I mean, in reality, it begins with your franchise quarterback, even though he won't be here for the first three weeks. Jameis Winston is going to wind up, you know, being the all-time leading passer most likely at the end of this year. I think he's fifth on the list right now, but he needs some like, something like 3,200, 3,300 yards to do that, which he should probably do. So you have the all-time leading passer, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's who's uh, certainly played for seven different teams and has been a, a quality starter and a backup in this league. And then you have the young guy that no one really knows anything about only because he hasn't played in a regular season game, but he's, he's not a rookie. He's a guy that's entering his fifth year in Ryan Griffin, um, who also looked very, very good, and yet we've never seen him actually play with starting caliber NFL players. I mean, he was throwing to guys – um, you know, that uh, typically may not be on this football team or any football team uh, necessarily after training camp. And yet he moved the ball up and down the field. He has a strong enough arm. He's very accurate. He certainly knows this offense. He's been with Dirk Cutter now for a number of years. Um, so as a group, as a, as, as a trio, and, and many teams only keep two quarterbacks, I understand that. But if you're just looking at the three, I think I think this is as good as, as a group as they've had probably one through three since the 2002 Super Bowl when, you know, the Bucks had Brad Johnson backed up by Rob Johnson, who was the former Buffalo Bills quarterback, and Sean King, who had already, you know, had sort of a career with the Bucks and was 15-8 and eight, uh, in his career, I think, as a starter. Um, so so those that, that would be about the best, you know, trio of quarterbacks I can remember until this year. You know, you've said this many times that the Bucks have never given a quarterback a second contract. No, and if you're doing that, then you probably haven't really had a franchise quarterback in your your franchise's history. True. Which you do with Jameis Winston. Although we'll see what happens with him. We'll see if he gets to a second. Yeah, we'll contract. see if he gets yeah. a second contract. But you drafted yeah. him, expecting him to be your franchise quarterback. You get a, mm -hmm. a very experienced veteran, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's had success everywhere he's been. Maybe not overwhelming but very right. good quarterback and has done well. And, you know, the coaches have been high on Ryan Griffin for, for years now, and last year many thought he was going to actually unseat Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the backup, and then he got hurt yeah. in the preseason game, and that kind of ended that. 
And Dirk Cutter said as much. It's funny you mentioned that. He said as much on Friday that they believed that too, that he was playing well enough. They didn't know much about Fitzpatrick at that time. Uh, and and that, that Griffin was actually, you know, looked like he may have become the number two quarterback that year. Yeah, so I, you have to assume that, uh, you know, I can't, I can't think of a, a better trio outside that maybe the Super Bowl year, as you mentioned, of three better quarterbacks combined in, in the system or in the team. Now, they had one, you know, there was a year where um, Jeff Garcia, who was again at towards sort of at the end of his career along, and he was backed up by Brian Greasy, um, and so you could you could argue that you know those are two guys that had a lot of starts in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, you know. And actually, Garcia took took the team to the postseason. The last postseason they've been in was 2007. So, uh, but that was a number of years ago. And there's been others through the years. I mean, I remember in 1990, you know, Ray Perkins, who recognized that he was about to get fired, uh, dealt a number one draft pick to the Indianapolis Colts for Chris Chandler. When he had Vinny Testaverde, who was obviously a franchise quarterback, a number one pick like Jameis, and and you know he was kind of hedging his bets that Testaverde wasn't going to quite uh, be the guy they needed to be. Um, so those were two you know fairly known uh, starters that had you know decent careers, not necessarily with the Bucks, but uh, as they went forward. Um, but but there's it is it is unusual, and I and I think that a lot of the anxiety. And again, it's preseason. You know, it's vanilla defenses. Um, by the same token, the offense isn't doing very much either uh, in terms of game planning. But at least the first impression, I think that that a lot of the fans outside of One Buck Place would probably look at at that performance collectively and say, "Man, the quarterbacks really, really played well." And of course, if you talk to Fitzpatrick, he would tell you that that's because you have O.J. Howard and you have Mike Evans, and you have Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, and Adam Humphreys and all these guys that they can get involved, and they did get them involved early in that game before they all they all went out and uh, and took a seat. So, a good start for the quarterbacks. Not so good, uh, however, news for the defense in that uh, Vernon Hargraves, their starting corner, the guy that uh, they're really looking for big things from this year because, quite frankly, they haven't gotten it the first two years. Former first round pick, twelfth overall, two years ago. He um, ended up in that game coming out pretty early. He has a, uh, a, a groin injury of such. They're calling it a soft tissue situation. But the good news is they think that he is not going – Is this is not a prolonged injury, although those things you know, can flare up from time to time. But uh, what they're going to do is shut him down for a couple weeks, two, maybe three weeks. He may not play again this preseason, but they really do believe that they'll get him back for the regular season opener. Um, so that would be good news if they can do that. Uh, Brent Grimes came back uh, after not practicing for a week. He did some things on Saturday. They're going to ease him back. We'll see if he'll play in Tennessee this this weekend or if he's going to scrimmage against the Titans up there in Nashville. But uh, it, it's good for them to have him back. But I'll tell you, uh, the guys that, that really showed up were the rookies, the rookie defensive backs. Um, you're talking about you know guys like Carlton Davis, MJ Stewart, and the safety, Jordan Whitehead in particular, all three of those players made made plays and played really, really well. Uh, I think that uh, the, a couple passes defensed, I think, both by Stewart uh, and certainly uh, an, you know another one that, uh, that Davis had, one or two from him as well. I think Davis had three tackles to go with that. And then you had a couple of, uh, of some solid you know downhill big hits by Whitehead it was very physical in that game. Seemed to be in good position uh, most of the plays. Um, you know, there was uh, 
one play in particular down near the goal line that should have been offensive interference that he got sort of pushed out of the way before the ball was thrown. But other than that, they were really pleased with the way those young guys played. In fact, here's what Dirk Cutter had to say about his young defensive backs. I thought all three of the rookie DBs really competed hard, and uh, that's what you want to see. They, you know, that's what you want to see. Uh, you know, they, they, they all played physical. They all tackled well. They all have they all have things to to work on as well. But you know we're pleased for the, for their first game. I th- I think just the the new players, the rookies in general, might have been uh, a little bit nervous last night, and and uh, that's to be to be expected. First NFL game, but those those three DBs, they they really did a good job, and they they played. They all played a lot too. They all played between 35 and 45 plays. So one of the players, uh, talking about rookies that the Bucks fans were interested in seeing, I think the coaches as well, was Ronald Jones. Their second-round pick from USC. He got into the game uh, probably about the second quarter with that group with Jameis Winston, and he did have a touchdown run, which was very, very good. We can talk about that in just a minute. But overall, I think Jones had something like, uh, I don't know, eight yards on seven carries, just a little over a yard a carry. Um, not necessarily his fault. Again, the offensive line didn't block very well for him uh, during you know during his stint. Uh, he did drop a pass as well, so we we know that his hands have been an issue. This is something that uh, you know he has to work on. Didn't do a lot of it at USC. Only caught 34 balls there, which is uh, not what they they want to do with him with in the NFL. The Bucks want to be able to get him in space, throw him the ball in the flat, and let him uh, let him run with it. But you know, Jones was probably nervous, um, probably, uh, you know, with, with some of these guys that are home run hitters, uh, you know, and, and Barry Sanders was was this way. I'm not comparing him to Barry Sanders, but I guess it just did. Um, i tell you what, man, you compare him to Barry Sanders right there. Uh, he, you know, he, he is going to kind of hunt and peck and try to hit, hit the big one rather than get the three or four or five yards uh, that might be available to him. But did have a good run on the touchdown run, made a nice cut. Uh, talked to Dirk Cutter about Ronald Jones, and he's very, very sober in his um, sort of his evaluation of Jones in Thursday night's game. Here's what he had to say. I thought Ronald was pretty average. I, I think Ronald uh, was wanting to contribute in a big way. I know he wanted to contribute in a big way, and I think he's been uh, doing that in practice. <clears throat> I think he was maybe pushing it a little bit. Uh, I thought he lined up too deep in the backfield a couple times. He... You know what, Ronald, probably his best thing last night is he had three really nice plays in pass protection. And uh, that's something that we wanted to see, how he would do. You know, not necessarily his man, but on some of those play actions, if, if one of the old linemen gets beat, uh, the running back kind of has to be a save-the-day guy. And Ronald did a nice job of that. I know he can run the football. We all know he can run the football. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't show up last night. He had a couple of chances that were good. Right before the half, we had the perfect look on defense, and we had a breakdown in the O-line, and he didn't get a chance to get started. But, uh, you know, it was, it was average for a first game. Uh, we got high expectations for him, and, and he has for himself as well. On the other hand, the guy who looks really solid that, you know, I think you'll see starting game one probably running, you know, the ball early, if not often, against the Saints is going to be Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber – has slimmed down. He's probably lost about, I don't know, 10, 11 pounds. He um, is, you know, he's he's fast enough. He's not known necessarily for breakaway speed, although he did have a long touchdown run, you know, as a, as a rookie, I think it was, at San Francisco. But, you know, this guy is a uh, is a very 
very good back, and and I think he's improving, and I think he's become confident. And he'll tell you, you know, my whole goal is to win the job. You know, this I see this as an opportunity. I want to be a starting running back for this team. He knows he's got competition. He's getting pushed by Ronald Jones, and it's showing. Uh, and Barber was, I thought, outstanding, you know, in the game against Miami. Um, you know, averaged well over four yards a carry, I believe, and, um, you know, had the touchdown run, which was – uh, a good inside run, which is sort of what he does, but showed the ability in the backfield to to hop step and make a guy miss, uh, and then showed some acceleration. And we know he has power. We know he can run inside and push the pile. And Barber is sort of the opposite of Jones, whereas Jones is constantly going to you know probably try to look for the big run, maybe bounce some things outside. Peyton Barber will push the pile. He'll get what he can. And I think that uh, the Bucks are very very confident. And having him as their starting back, and then bringing Jones along, um, you know, as quickly as as they can. But uh, it's kind of a nice one-two punch. What they're hoping, something that the Saints have shown with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, that they would have with Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. Here's what Dirk Cutter had to say about Barber's performance on Thursday. Really good job. He only played 12 plays, but Peyton finished his runs, and that's what Peyton is. He's a finisher. Uh, he also made a good little play on a scramble uh, that Fitz hit him. He had a nice uh, play in protection. You know, for for as little as he played, he did exactly what he needed to do last night. Now, Steve, if there's one thing that uh, we thought we were past, it was the place kicking, right? The curse of Matt Bryant. We've talked about it before. We've seen all these kickers come and go. Uh, and then, of course, exacerbated by the Roberto Aguayo uh you know, selection in the second round, and then Nick Nick Folk coming in here, who was a pretty established veteran, and suddenly he lost it. Well, this couldn't happen again. No, it? no, it can't. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> well, here we were in Miami, and I I got to be honest with you. I've watched Catanzaro. I mean, it got to the point where we stopped watching the practice portion, or at least not watching. We stopped counting uh, field goal tries. We've been doing this now for about three or four years of training camp which is when the kickers kick, you know, okay, he's three for five, he's, you know, whatever. Well, Chandler had been almost automatic. I mean, it was – and with and a strong leg as well. I mean, he could kick the ball, you know, 55 in with fairly, pretty good consistency. Um, and so I must admit that, you know, when they scored the touchdown, I was not really paying all that much attention. I thought, okay, extra point. And then I glanced up, and it was like, oh, wow. He missed. He missed his first kick as a Buccaneer, which you can look at it one of two ways. You can say, okay, well, um, this is just a continuation of the bigger problem, or, well, you know, maybe you got it out of the way. And that's what, you know, Cutter kind of joked about it after the game. Well, well we, we got the missed point after attempt out of the way. He didn't miss any last year during the regular season with the Jets. None. The guy was perfect, I think. Um, and it's 33 yards. It's not a, it's not a, you know, absolute gimme, which is why they moved it back. So he misses the PAT. Okay. Well, he comes back, um, kicks a field goal, uh, you know, kicks another field goal, but late in the game, they're up seven. They have a chance to put the game away. And, and in, in many instances, I think up seven with about, I don't know, four minutes to play three and a half, four minutes to play. Dirk Cutter very, very easily could have punted the ball by Brian Anger and try to pin, Miami inside the 20 and, and, you know, just say, okay, we're winning by a touchdown. It would take a touchdown and two point conversion to beat us, or we're going to go into overtime, what have you. Um, and instead it was also in, and this is how preseason is different than the regular season. It was an opportunity for Dirk to see both what 
you know, Chandler Catanzaro would do, and also um, to put, you know, their young long snapper under pressure. Because remember, it's the whole battery, right? It's the whole operation uh, that faces pressure when you're trying to, you know, to hit a pressure kick. So he elected to kick the field goal 53 yards, and, of course, we know what happened. It was no good. So Miami got field position. Uh, they went down. They scored a touchdown. And, of course, it being preseason, normally inside of two minutes they might have just kicked the extra point and make sure that they at least could get overtime. Uh, but they went for two and got it, and so now the Bucks are trailing again. And credit Ryan Griffin for, you know, calmly taking their team back down there uh, within field goal range. And, I, and at least – uh, for a 26-yard, what essentially was a game winner, um, Catanzaro was able to to connect on that. But kind of a shaky performance, to say the least. Uh, I But in talking to Dirk Cutter, and maybe they're just trying to uh, whistle past the graveyard again, but I don't think so. I mean, this guy is clearly talented. He had a couple kickoffs through the end zone, I think, which is what they're hoping for. They, they, they really believe that he can consistently knock it through. That's what they were trying to do. He had one horrible miss hit that wound up okay because it became sort of this effective squib kick that they were not looking for. Um, but overall, look, Dirk Cutter says he has confidence in Chandler. We got that first miss out of the way, so we're clean sailing the rest of the season. So, Steve, I don't know, uh, by far, uh, the best television anyway and, and the best thing for golf by far is Tiger Woods in a major championship and in contention, and boy, was he in contention. I must say, I really believed at some point that he this was going to be the one. This was going to be the the comeback for the ages. This was going to be the coronation. Um, you know, it just it had that feel to it, and instead of, you know, him sort of, um, you know, playing poorly maybe in the last round or after the 10th hole, um, you know, as he did in the last major uh, you know, he actually played better. He actually made this a, an exciting event, got within one stroke of the lead, uh, and, you know, had seven birdies on the round. I mean, the guy shot a 64, and the crowds in St. Louis uh, where the PGA was played, where Tiger Woods, by the way, had never played before in his career, um, which is astounding. There was supposed to be a tournament, I think, back there many years ago, and um, something happened and it was canceled or, or, or whatnot. But uh, it was unbelievable. As it felt very much like Valspar in terms of the enthusiasm and everything that was going on. But this, this was a major tournament, and Tiger Woods was playing very, very well. Now, his driver was all over the place, but he scrambled like crazy to, to save par many times and made some long par putts as well. Um, but I was, I was so captivated by just the roars that we have not heard um, since Tiger Woods was winning major championships and yet there was this calm, unflappable almost, uh, you know, leader in Brooks Kepka, who, even though he was he wobbled like he had bogeys on four and five, came back with three straight birdies. Uh, and then as Tiger was, was trying to assert himself on the back nine, he continued to play extremely well, had a couple more birdies down the stretch. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And Brooks Kapka wins his second major tournament of the year. He won the U.S. Open not, not that many uh, weeks ago. And, and now he has won three major tournaments in his career. That makes him a Hall of Fame golfer. I, I want to say that there's only been – I thought I saw a graphic, Steve. There was like maybe eight, seven or eight U.S. golfers, American golfers that have won three or more majors. And, um, of course, Jordan Spieth being the last guy to do that. So, uh, you know, Brooks Kepka is, uh, is unbelievable. And his story is compelling in that he watched the Masters from his couch. This guy mm-hmm. was unable to play. He was injured and did not know uh, with a serious wrist injury just exactly when or how he would be able to play again this year. Yeah, no, he's been, you know, we talked about him after he won the U.S. Open of, mm-hmm. you know, all these great young golfers we talk about, and his name was never getting brought up. And he right. won the U.S. Open the year prior, and then he won mm-hmm. a, a second one this year. And how he's one of the best golfers on tour, and he's a freakish athlete. Just the, oh, way the guy he's, looks like the way a, he looks built. like a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh, he's completely different than your your standard golfer when you look at him, um, right? And and just a powerful game. I mean, mm-hmm. he his game kind of reminds me of, and it's not the same game, but when Tiger came on the tour, he changed golf. It was a different style of play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Tiger was out driving everybody, and his scramble game was so good. And Kepka just kind of plays a different style of golf, but it's powerful, and 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 it may change the way golf's kind of played. Um, and he, you know, he's a tremendous golfer, and, and now he's won his third tournament. And he held off Tiger on day three, and Tiger, you know, like you said, Tiger shot sixty four, crazy round. Uh, check out this stat. So Tiger Woods in his last three rounds at the PGA t- this year, sixty six, sixty six, sixty four, I think. Adds up to mm-hmm. 196. That is the lowest three rounds in a major tournament he's ever had in his career by four strokes. And that includes, which I you looked this up and I couldn't believe it when you said it, that includes the Masters that he won by like 20 strokes, yeah, right? he was 18 under at that Masters. Ugh. Now, in part, he, he shot 200 in his lowest three rounds there. But right. it's a par 72 compared to a par 70, which is sure. what they played out today. But at age 42, he scored four shots lower than he has in three consecutive rounds at any major in his career. It, it was just – it's incredible how he's played. Uh, I mean, you go back to the Valspar. This is his second runner-up finish, remember, when he, when he mm-hmm. began the year, uh, Valspar being his first one. Um, he's been competitive in these majors. He had the lead – and the British Open in the final round, you know, he's he's not only competed in, in the in the majors, but he's actually been there on Sunday, you know, um, mm-hmm. with with a chance or within one stroke of the lead or the lead. And for him to do that, again, going back to what his injuries have been, the number of back surgeries, the fact that he didn't know if he would play again, and I'm not that's not an exaggeration. I mean, he truly did not know when or if he would play again. Um, of course, <laughs> people were People were getting me on Twitter like about said, how. Do you still think he'll he will never win a tournament again? <laughs> I look. I told you he wasn't going to win another tournament, let alone a major. <laughs> he almost knocked them both off in the same day. I look. I, I don't know. I mean, what if what if this was the best? His, he's the last best chance he gets a look at this. This is not guaranteed. I mean, he's going to be. You know, he, he's only getting older. He'll be forty three next year. 
Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, I know Jack won one when he won the won the Masters when he was forty six, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not unfathomable that Tiger could play a high level of golf until his mid or late forties. But do we know that physically he's going to hold up? Do we know that his game is going to is going to continue to improve and that he'll be in this position on a Sunday at a major tournament again? He had two looks at it this year. It's unbelievable that he put himself in those positions. But you know what else I found out? There's a hell of a lot of good young golfers on tour. I mean, if you look at that leaderboard, it's incredible. It's a who's who of young golfers, and I think they're all under the age of 30, um, you know, certainly. Most of them around 25, 26 years old. So the young guys who never experienced Tiger until now, Kepka, you know, I listened to his interview after the tournament. It was really interesting. He was, you know, he, he obviously was very um, aware of 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 what it meant to have Tiger Woods playing well and 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 the the enthusiasm and all the things that Tiger Woods has done for golf M- many or most of these guys that are playing on tour today were inspired by Tiger Woods grew up when he was in his prime and and are now competing at him with him 20 years later few of them ever played against him and even fewer played against him when he was relevant when he was somebody that was in contention and so now really for the first time Today, uh, or maybe you know, going back to the Open Championship, uh, you know, in England, um, are are the times when they've actually felt that 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 momentum and the crowd roaring. And it was weird because Kepka was one or two, um, you know, he was two groups two, behind Tiger, two groups behind him. So if you you know, the crowds were so massive in following Tiger that when you look back at at him and Adam Scott, who were actually tied for the lead uh, for a while. Uh, virtually no one was watching them play, but they could hear everything going on. And um, I, I think it, it was both uh, while he while he while Kepka appreciated and really got to got to feel um, sort of the, the you know the the loud roars and everything that was reverberating through the the tournament. There was also this little level, uh, if you listen to his his comments, this little level of his sort of I don't know. Like I'm, this is typical for me. I've been slighted my whole career, kind of thing. At one point, somebody asked him, quite frankly, "Hey Brooks, um, do you think that finally having won three majors and being a Hall of Fame golfer and the golfer of the year, that you that you will finally get your due? Uh, you know, and and that that you you know you've been overlooked for all this time. You'll finally get your due." And he very tersely answered and said, "I hope so." And that was it. Is that all you got? Anything else to say, Brooks? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. I hope so. <laughs> so it was like, hey, you all talk about your Jordan Spieths and your Rory McIlroys and all you know, all these guys you want to, but I got the three majors and two in the same year, which is just a phenomenal year. Considering he didn't play the Masters, I and mean, did, like I said, didn't know he was going to play again this year, and came back and managed to do what he did. So. Um, interesting dude, man, and a great tournament. And you know, it was you know it was also good, Steve. They get to eighteen. Tiger gets to eighteen, and he's got a chance to birdie the hole, which would get him, you know, I think back within uh, within a stroke shots. Yeah, would have yeah. uh, got him within at a the stroke. time within yeah. a stroke. Yeah, and uh, which was relevant. I mean, 
you never know what's going to happen on the, on the well, final Well, it puts hole. more pressure uh, on Brooks. I mean, yeah, major different tournament. when you're playing with a two-stroke league compared to a one-stroke league. No question. No question. You, you can you can make bogey, and you're good. But uh, with, with the one-stroke league, you got to actually play well. And so... He uh, he he sank the uh, a fairly a fairly long birdie putt. I mean, it wasn't. I don't think it was like a four footer, but it was it was you know a, a, a good long putt, ten twelve feet. I want to say, uh, if I'm wrong, I, I apologize, but that's what it felt like. Uh, and when he did, the fist pumping, the emotion, all the things that Tiger was noted for was back. And I really believe that at that moment, uh, Tiger probably knew he wasn't going to win. Um, but what he did know was, hey man. I, I held it together because he really did have to scramble just to save par. He had some great par saves. Well, the first nine uh, holes, he didn't hit a fairway in regulation. Not one, yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. So he he felt like, I just shot 64. I don't know that I could have ever played much better than this. I mean, you know, obviously could have hit more fairways. It's also the and lowest he did, score he's ever had in the final round of a major. In the final round of a major, yes, yeah, 64. And you look up there and you go, he shot a freaking 64, you know, but the other guy shot 66 and had had a higher had a bigger lead, had a four shot lead when he started the day. So he wins by he wins by two, but um, it was it was validation. It was I, I think I think you know there's it's weird. Like does Tiger have to have to learn how to win again? Does Tiger have to believe in himself because that guy that was winning all those majors before? doesn't exist anymore you know what I mean um you wonder like what would happen if he ever got over the hump you know if he got that feeling back I think he got it back today a little bit I really he didn't win but man he competed and he made shot after shot after shot down the stretch and you made a good point you talk about four rounds of golf right um and 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 I mean look he started this round on on number one and and a four footer lipped out that he should have absolutely drained, um, but but you talked about how this tournament started for him and he could have lost it on the first two holes. He started bogey, double bogey, so yeah. three shots he gave up. That's it. He pars both those holes and he's one ahead of Brooks Kepp. Now, obviously, the tournament plays out differently if you scored a sixty-seven on the first round instead of a seventy. But yeah, but yeah, the sure whole tournament he, could have been different. You can look at Kepka's shots, and you know he missed some some easy putts throughout his four days, I'm sure, and uh, also probably made some. But um, but yeah, that's that's sort of the razor thin margin that there is for all these guys. And uh, you know, if if Brooks Kepka had stayed on the couch and was injured, maybe Tiger Woods is the is the champion of the PGA right now uh, and wins his fifteenth uh, major. But it was not to be, but man, that was a exciting, exciting television. And uh, and I'll tell you, uh, when Tiger's in contention on a Sunday, and you sit down and say, eh, "Let me check it out," you better you better pack a lunch or, or and dinner because you will not move from what was it like one thirty or two o'clock until the damn thing ended, and mm-hmm. five hours later. Yep. I mean, it's just you you're just stuck there. You don't want to. I believe the, you know, the Saturday wanna... ratings were the highest PGA third round rating since two thousand nine. That would make sense, yeah. That would make sense. I mean, that's how that's how much he means to golf. That's how much he means to the ratings. And next year, the PGA Championship moves to May. Really, the golf calendar. They want to get out of football season with everything, so they now that'll be the Masters in April, the PGA in May, U.S. Open June, British Open July, and then the FedEx Cup after that. 
So July, the British Open will be the sort of the last the final major. major and then they go to the FedEx Cup at some point. I'm not sure yeah. if, exactly when that goes. But the golf calendar next year, a lot of the tournaments, including Valspar, everything's moved around. Where Valspar is going to be a couple weeks later now. And yeah, Valspar got that that got hosed. I mean, they're where they're sandwiched in. I mean, they had found sort of the nice you know the nice cushion where they could actually draw somebody like Tiger Woods, and now I think it's going to be harder and harder. Most likely, yeah, as they're a lot closer to the Masters, but we'll see. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll the whole golf sh- calendar next year is getting turned around. So, yeah. So that was exciting, and then and then we got the Rays, who um, continue to defy certainly my predictions and everybody else's predictions, and you know, finding out more and more about some of the prospects they got back from Chris Archer, who by the way won his first game with the Pirates the other day. Don't know if you noticed that. I, I did. Won four to three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so he we are family. He's a pirate, but um, Tyler Glass now this this guy that throws. Consistently smoke, ninety-seven, ninety-eight miles an hour with a with a wicked breaking pitch. Uh, I think they pushed him uh, what five, almost six innings this time. Mm-hmm. Um, pitched very, very well. They lose two to one, and and it was you know another one run game. Of course, that was uh, kind of a, a wire thin margin, but uh, made made some good. I mean, good defensive plays uh, behind him, and uh, it was a it was a you know interesting ball game. But they did take two out of three against Toronto, and you know, I mean, some of these prospects, Steve, I'm telling you, they, you know, they look like they've gotten back some real value. And I guess you got to credit, um, you know, their coaching staff for straightening some of these guys out. We're struggling a little bit um, before they came over to Tampa Bay. But Kyle Snyder has done a nice job. And, and these guys look like they're going to be good pitchers for a while. Yeah, when you look at just how young this team is and, and you know, Glass now a pitcher, but I think Saturday was the first time in race history that they started a catcher and four infielders that were all rookies. Mm. Just, it's such a young team, um, and they're playing well as a young team. And, mm-hmm. you know, the ceiling, you know, for most of these players is still a lot higher than where it is now. And they've even got some injuries. You know, Tommy Pham's out, Daniel Robertson's mm-hmm. out. Um, pitching, we know the injuries of Brett Honeywell and Anthony Bonda and Jose De Leon. Um, right. you, know, you start adding those pitchers back in the next two years. Uh, maybe late next year for some of those with Tommy John surgery, um, the young players they have, and and you know they've also got free agency money to spend next year. Their payroll is very small going into next year. They freed up a lot of, you know, those Evan Longoria contracts where they were going to be paying for many years. Where you know, not only do they have a good young team, but they might be able to go out and get a hitter. You mm-hmm. not, not, probably not going to get Bryce Harper. Go get a hit. Go go go. Bring in a closer if you need one, or an or a starter, or more long relievers if you're going to stay with the opener for four days a week. Um, you know, so I mean, this race team, you know, they're they're winning, and a lot of their losses are close one run losses, and you know, young teams can learn from that and grow from that. And yeah, and, and they've done it, a, a better job of winning those one run games since about. I think they had won seven in a year. row. Seven run, yeah. one-run games in a row until they lost on Sunday, right? Um, yeah, so you know this is, and this team's exciting. To although the, you know since they've lost a couple, you know Daniel Robertson and Tommy Pham, and that the offense has been a little slower of late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's that's still you know as Kevin Cash said you know Sunday. Look, we're not going to score a ton of runs. We're not a we're not a high-scoring offensive team. So we got to take advantage nope. of mistakes and be aggressive. And and you know that's what they're doing, but. You know, we know the playoffs are out for this year, but this is the next two years. It's exciting for the race. 
I think you, if you're a Rays fan, you know, you, you don't never know who's going to get hurt and, and, and that sort of thing or who's going to have a, a bad year because a lot of guys are having great years. But, yeah, you should be excited about this young core of players. And, and look, if they win, they could win anywhere from 82 to 84 games or something like that. I mean, he won't win it, but Kevin Cash – should get manager of the year votes. It'll go, you know, no, Alex Cora is going to win. Yeah, he's going to win. Yeah, I mean, he's going to set a record with the number of wins they have up there. But, um, but that's okay. I mean, it should go to a winning team. I think, to be honest with you, but I, I would defy you to find somebody who's had to endure more changes to his roster, a younger group of guys, more injuries to his pitching staff, have to uh, sort of buy in and get his players to buy in. To this opening, you know, opening role with Ryan Stanick and all these guys pitching one or two innings to start games, I I think it, it could not have turned out better for this team. And they just keep, you know, they look like they're having fun playing together. They look like, of course, winning is 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 you know is part of that. But um, you're right; it's 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 an entertaining brand of baseball, and it's that they they really do they really do play hard every every mm-hmm. night. And I think that's the most. That's the biggest thing. They try to play the game the right way. They 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 t- come out prepared. And they try to play hard. Um, they still are up and down kind of at times based on who. They, but you know that was a good thing about Toronto because Toronto's going nowhere, and they they showed up against Toronto. You know they they played hard against them. They won two out of three. But those typically have been the teams like Baltimore that they haven't you know haven't really performed all that well against. In so, particular, on the road, they don't. Right. Right. And and a lot of these guys are making some of their you know I, I think I heard where um, some of them are still making their first trips to some of these places you know had mm-hmm. never been oh to, yeah uh, I'm sure oh this Toronto. was this and, was the Rays' first time in Toronto this year and I think yeah they actually think, they actually have three road trips left including the one they're on now and they go to Toronto in each one of them and I think yes that's right and I think uh, they're uh, coming up is Fenway and a bunch of guys haven't played at Fenway mm-hmm. uh, which will be a great experience for them too so. You know, kind of, kind of neat to think about. Uh, you know, how these young guys are just getting their first look at some of these ballparks, and 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 you know, feeling uh, what it's like to be in the at least and that sort of thing. So, good weekend for the Rays overall, and uh, a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good season. They keep going and try to stay above five hundred and see see how see if they have a winning year. So, congratulations to them for so far. It's it's been fun to watch. Well, uh, we got a, a busy week this week. We're going to have uh, lots of Bucks training camp. They're back at it again this morning. Uh, the Bucks had a, a day off on Sunday. The players are a little sluggish on Saturday, quite frankly. They were off on Friday. Weren't too happy about being out there, but it is training camp. Had to move inside. Uh, it was planned, but there's also some weather. So now this week uh, they will practice, of course, today and tomorrow and then on uh I believe they will be leaving uh, Tuesday after practice to head up to Nashville. And then again, practicing Wednesday, Thursday, walk through on Friday, and they play the Tennessee Titans on Saturday. So there'll be lots of talk, I'm sure, about uh, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota and the comparisons and all of that that uh, will take place. And you'll be uh, in Tennessee. You I'll be in Tennessee all week long. That's right. So we'll we'll be talking to you from Tennessee on this podcast and bring you the latest you can always follow us as well on TampaBay.com. Love for you guys to interact with us. We love the interaction on Twitter. We get a lot of people uh, that listen to this podcast. It's growing all the time. Um, and so you can do that. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably 
uh, take your questions at some point this week and maybe have Tom Jones on if we can get him again. But uh, you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. As always, rate and review this podcast wherever you can find it. You can get that on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, um, anywhere you get podcasts, just do a search for Sports Day Tampa Bay. Hit the subscribe button. It'll download your device every day automatically. And then if you hit likes on the post or you share it with a friend, it's even better. That always helps us out, too. So, And also, one other comment. Did you see the uh, USF new all-black uniforms? I did. Um, Rave reviews, it seems like, coming in for that. I know a lot of people were... Um, a little unimpressed with the the new Adidas uniforms that they unveiled about a month ago or so, but the black mm-hmm. unis seem to be getting a lot of love. The first time they've ever done an all black uniform. What do you think of? Uh, yeah, it feels very South Carolina ish to me, or Texas Tech ish. Um, but what what do you think of the um, the insistence that the uniforms now say South Florida on the front and not USF? I, and I don't know all the history of that because I'm, I'm not from here in that, but it was always South Florida to start, and then for for the last few years, they wanted to be known as USF, and it seems like they're going back to being known as South Florida now. Apparently what, 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 yeah, apparently what precipitated this in part, if I, if I read uh, Martin Fenley's column right, if you, you can go to TampaBay.com and read that, is that Charlie Strong and others were, were um, asked or frequently confused, perhaps, that UCF, are you the are you the guys that went thirteen and zero? Are you the guys that okay. claim the national chip? So UCF USF they play in the same conference, obviously, uh, and so they did not want that confusion. <laughs> and uh, apparently, they're like, "No, we're South Florida." Now, the problem that has always been with the University of South Florida is that it is not located in South Florida. Yes, most people view uh, South Florida as Miami, not. I don't know who wouldn't. I really don't know who wouldn't. So it, it's it's a misnomer, just the university's name in and of itself. And so I think the reason why USF tried to get away from the South Florida uh, sort of thing was that, that, that they're in Tampa and they, they wanted people to understand that they're not a Miami school or a Fort Lauderdale school, that sort of thing. But now they are indeed uh, on their uniforms, South Florida. So that's very interesting. Hey, and uh, one other thing. Make sure you go see Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. I'm telling you, you're not going to get a better deal for this. You spend a minimum $2,000, you're getting a five-day, four-night cruise for two with your loved one to the Caribbean. You get to pick the cruise line. You get to pick the destination. What more could you ask for? Tell them that Rick and Steve sent you, and you can always call them as well at 813-282-7375 and ask for Andy. He's going to take care of you at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Well, busy day tomorrow. Make sure you check back with us uh, and check with us always on TampaBay.com as well. I'm Rick Stroud for the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Versnick, have a great Monday, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.